Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright, and today we get to look at the readings for the 13th Sunday after Pentecost, specifically for the Gospel according to St. Luke, the 14th chapter, verses 25 through 35. And we have Jesus teaching and preaching to the crowds, and this is a great crowd that accompanied him. And he turned to them and said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, right here, this seems really interesting because isn't Jesus the one who said that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves? We are to love God with all our mind, with all our strength, with all our soul, and likewise love our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus likes to throw around this love language a lot, but then he'll say something very provocative. If you hate all the members of your family, even your life, then you can follow me. And what are we to make of this? How, how are we to deal with this? This is not a, a good thing to then go home to your husband or wife and say, Jesus told me I have to hate you, so now I have to hate you, and, and look at your children and say the same thing. This hating that our Lord speaks of is the idea that we simply need to make sure the first things are kept first, and that even the close relationships of our families, our loved ones, our husbands and wives, children, and even our own lives are not becoming obstacles, not becoming idols in the way of who and what we are as Christians. And so this statement is hard because I don't know about you, but just reading that statement, I immediately get very defensive. I do not hate my wife. I do not hate my children. I do not hate my father, my mother, or anybody in my family. And I work very hard to make sure I don't hate anyone. Why would Jesus then turn around and tell me to hate? And we need to, again, realize the context of this statement. And it is to make sure that we're not putting our faith, our trust, our love into other people. We're not looking for them to serve as God. We're not looking for them to do everything for us. Husbands and wives are united in flesh as a gift of God to be one flesh, to be lived out in the joys of marriage. And according to God's mercy and will, that marriage may produce children, and the love now is expanded. And we do this with our parents. We do this with our siblings. We do this with our grandparents, so on and so forth. 
But this love, again, is to be put in its correct place, a love of service, a love of giving of oneself for the benefit, for the help, for the nurturing of the other person. And this is what Jesus is telling us to do, that we look at our lives less than we look at the lives of others. And the actions, our words, the things we do are to reflect who Jesus is within our lives. Do we actually look at our wife, our husband, our brother, sister, children, parents, whoever, do we look at them with the eyes of Christ, or do we look at them self-serving, or do we take advantage of the gift of husband, wife, children, family members, so on and so forth? We need to make sure that regardless of our relationship with anybody in our lives, we put that relationship in its correct place, of course, in conjunction with the love of Christ. But more importantly, how are we serving? How are we helping? How are we benefiting them? Usually in a sacrificial way, in ways that can't be repaid, ways that can't be uh, given reward for. And that's not why we're doing Doing acts of service, acts of mercy. We don't do them so we can get an attaboy. We don't do them so that we can say, look how good we are, or look what I've done for you. You scratch my back, I scratch your back. Because when we look at the service that God has given to us in Christ our Lord, truly giving all things, giving the holy, innocent, pure blood of Jesus to cover your sins, to cover your death. There's no way we can repay this. There's no gift basket big enough. There's no soap basket big enough. There's no anything big enough to pay what God did in Christ Jesus for your salvation. And if you have that given to you, then why aren't we freely giving of ourselves to our husbands, our wives, our children, our parents, our neighbor, anybody in our lives? And this is, again, hard because it's easy to look upon yourself as the most important, and Jesus warns us about that. And this is why he moves quickly into this next statement, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple, cannot follow him to where he leads. And to bear the cross is to truly take the sufferings of this life, the sufferings of relationships, the sufferings of the sinful, corrupt world that we live in, and live through them in the trust of Christ, in the promise of mercy, in the gift of freedom from the bondage to sin. To bear this cross is to keep our eyes of faith focused upon the cross, the cross that rescued you, the cross that made you alive in Christ, the cross that destroyed your sin, your death, your hell, and freed you to then truly live out the gracious, merciful, sacrificial life of service, doing good works for your neighbor, your family, and anybody else that comes in contact in your life. 
And these things are hard. It's easy. I'm sitting here and I can easily say all these things, but I promise you I fail at doing these. It is easy to be selfish. It is easy to forget the other people in your lives. It is easy to do the bare minimum. And it's also easy to then go and do things and say, look how good I am. But at the heart of all our actions should be the heart of Christ, the one who served you life, so that that very life is now in service to the people in your life, your family, your neighbors, and so on and so forth. And this is what it is to bear the cross, and it's not easy. It is taking the plights of this world, the broken relationships, the heartaches, and bearing them bearing them as Christ bore your sins. This is not easy. And this is just the promise of failure, the promise of disappointment. And we need to be really careful with this too, because we can't look at everybody and say, I'm going to serve you because, well, you're going to be a disappointment in my life and you're not going to help me or you're not going to serve me. We can't look at this. We can't look at our actions as transactions, expecting other things. You have been transformed in Christ. You are are now truly a new creation in your baptism, one created for love and service, not only receiving but responding. And this responding is the good works of faith, the good works of service, which actually just flow naturally. They just happen. You don't have to think about, today I'm going to be nice to my wife. This flows because you see her as the gift she is, the one who has been, you have been blessed to have as wife, the one you have been blessed to have as husband, uh, the ones you have had blessed to be children, so on and so forth. And these relationships then change to be a blessing, a gift. And we never take gifts for granted, except unfortunately we do exactly that. And this is why we repent. This is why we humble ourselves to continue to stretch forth our strength, our power, our will to conform our lives to the life that Christ lived, the perfected life, the life of sacrifice for the benefit, help, and salvation of ourselves. And again, this is easy, easy to say, hard to do because we get tired, we get hungry, we get overwhelmed, we get whatever, and we fall back to our natural, sinful, selfish inclinations. And this, again, is why we come to church Sunday in and Sunday out, to hear the sweet words of holy absolution in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Your sins are forgiven. And this is the promise that you get to hear as you repent, as you challenge yourself, as you realize the depths of God's love, which exposes the depths of your sin, exposes the depths of your law-breaking and will-breaking of what God has laid before you. By bearing the cross, you are bearing the gospel. And the gospel really does carry us through the heartache, the pain, and the suffering. And by no means is it 
oh, if I have the gospel, it won't hurt as bad. Or, you know, buck up, Jesus loves you. It's nothing like that. We still suffer pain. We still suffer heartache. We still suffer broken relationship, hurtful words, hurtful actions from the ones that we love. We will always dwell in this until the resurrection. Now, this doesn't give us free license to then do these things. We repent, and that means turn away from them. That constant state of tension, knowing what we shouldn't do, and struggling against that so that we are actually working to minimize those hurtful words, those hurtful actions, so that we are building up our family, our friends, our neighbors, instead of tearing them down for whatever reason. This is what our Lord lays before us. And then he goes on, Again, teaching us to recognize where we have come from. We have come from God in our baptism. He baptizes us in his name, claims us from sin, death, and hell. And if this is our foundation, the foundation of freedom, the foundation of love, the foundation of mercy, the, fr- the foundation of grace and all of God's work, we get to stand on the immovable rock of Christ. Then we get to look at the rest of the world. We get to look at every situation and see that where are we coming from? How will we deal with this? How will we work through this? How will we survive? And that is because we get to be planted in and on and through God and his work. Jesus goes on to say, which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? And this isn't just an earthly thing. This isn't just a money matter. This is you looking at every situation and saying, what will this cost you? And this doesn't mean money. This doesn't mean time. This doesn't mean energy. But what do your actions cost you? Do they cost you friendship? Do they cost you marriage? Do they cost you family relationships? Do they cost you job? Do they cost you reputation? Where are you coming from? What is your foundation? How do you, in fact, deal with friends that want to do things that are contrary to what you know to be true? What do you do when your body tells you to do things contrary to the truth of Scripture? What do you do when your mind tells you to do things that are contrary to your confirmation vows? And and so on and so forth. What will it cost you? And you need to take this serious because sin costs. And sometimes we take that too lightly. And thanks be to God that Jesus, your Lord and Savior, did not take your sin lightly, but took it so serious. He goes to the cross and spills his blood for you to cover your sin, the big sin, the secret sin, the little sin. 
He covers them all. And this isn't so that you can continue to sin. This is to know that you have the freedom away from sin. You have the freedom of gospel to live in service to God by serving and giving of yourself to your neighbor for their benefit, for their help. And this is exactly what we get to truly struggle in, asking how can we be of help, benefit? How can we be secure in our faith? as we serve, as we sacrifice in our lives. And Jesus, again, continuing with this cost motif, he says, the man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first to deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who is coming against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he'll send a delegation and ask for terms of peace. So therefore, anyone of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. And again, this goes back to the simple first commandment issue. We should fear and love and trust in God above all things. We need to remember that our life here now and the life to come in forever has been bought at the great price of Christ. And this is the cost that we have that is already paid for that we get to live in. How do we use that? How do we use that gift? Do we continue to wage war against our sinful nature, letting it win because we haven't totally figured out how to overcome the sin, the situations, or whatever that would possibly take us away from the promise of Christ? Look to the one who has redeemed you. Look to the one who continues to offer forgiveness, peace, and mercy. And of course, this is Jesus. But we only know Jesus through the Holy Spirit, who has not only created faith, but sustains it and continues to reveal Christ crucified for your life here and now and the life to come. So how do we use this? to then live out our good works of faith for the neighbor, for the family. And that means truly giving everything up, commending all things to God, so that in service to God, we get to live fully and faithfully in service to our neighbor, in service to the mission of the church, the proclamation of Christ crucified, and the gift of utilizing his peace, his mercy, his work in and through you. This is truly an exciting gift that you have because you have been relieved from the pain and the suffering, the turmoil of not being able to perfectly complete what God has demanded in the law. The law is finished. The law is complete. Go forth and look to the world. Look as close as your family and ask today, how will I serve wife, husband, children, parents, whoever in your life? How do you get to 
faithfully give of yourself, as God in Christ faithfully gave of himself for you. You get to be renewed in the Spirit. You get to be renewed in the gospel and the grace and the mercy, knowing that you being the salt of the earth, you cannot lose your saltiness when you are sustained in Christ. That means that you have good in you because you have God in Christ who promises to dwell with you, in you, through you. So, dear listener, Rejoice in the Lord for the gift of salvation, for the gift of life, for the gift of service in God, through God, by God, for the neighbor, and for life everlasting. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.